Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. And I actually read narcissism very differently than it actually is. I thought that it was something that was, you know, that could be, it just needed love. You know, everyone just needs love and that these personality disorders and things like that, I thought that it was just something that could be worked with and that you could prove to somebody your value, your worth, your consistency, your reliability. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zong, and I'm super excited today to welcome Kara Payton, who is a published author, speaker, meditation therapist. She's also a podcast host, self-mastery coach. And her work is absolutely incredible. What she talks about, what she does is help people transform through the integration of neurological reprogramming, which is so absolutely incredible. She uses comprehensive training and she helps people achieve profound transformation. And she does this through physiological immersion, spiritual practices, right up my alley, right up my alley. And she's a renowned thought leader, and she specializes in healing trauma, which all of you guys who are dealing with narcissistic abuse, who've been a victim or a target of narcissists, she knows all about this and PTSD. She's going to tell her story, and she presents a revolutionary, full-bodied approach to the world of mental and emotional wellness. So welcome, Kara. Welcome. Mm, thank you, Rebecca. I, with an introduction like that, I, I don't know how if this could this could go in any direction other than amazing. So happy to be. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know what it means to heal from being in a toxic situation, toxic relationship. You've been there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're, you're willing to tell your story and you're willing to talk about what that means. Right. So tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, I feel like that's probably one of the most important things to do for other people that are going through trauma is to bring that voice forward. You know, you see that with a lot of people where, you know, they don't necessarily recognize the situation they're in and it only takes somebody providing a voice and telling their story and being able to reflect because when you're in it, you're immersed in it. You don't necessarily know what pain is or normal is or what it feels like to be in a healthy dynamic until 
you have a sense of you're, you're looking at it from the outside. And sometimes looking at it from the outside can be as simple as hearing a voice from the outside, that that is not what is normal, healthy, productive, empowering. And it's like when somebody lives their whole life with back pain, they, that's just their normal. That's their zeroed out is they just live with this back pain. And until it's healed, only then they realize the kind of pain that they were in, similar to static in a room. Somebody could think they're in a quiet room, and then you turn off the static, and then you realize how quiet it actually is. That was similar to my uncoupling from my own intimate relationships and some of the family dynamics and the things that I've been where there was this kind of narcissistic, you know, almost where they they hover an energy vampire, and it's just small little ways that you don't necessarily... You don't necessarily question. And only after you're on the outside of those dynamics and you have a a healthy core where only then you can realize the contrast that was all around you. And and I've got to say that's probably my exact experience with multiple things is I was so programmed and so brainwashed in this dynamic that was 360 all around me with family, with intimacy, with friendships, with business arrangements that I had, it was all over the place. And only after doing the work here did I recognize that toxicity and unhealthy communication styles and blame and and dissociation and gaslighting and things like that were all not in the realm of what it feels like to the point where being in healthy dynamics and in healthy friendships, it almost felt foreign. I was looking around for the other shoe to drop. I was waiting for to be victimized again, to be for somebody to get their hooks in me for the for the catch. And so yeah, it's it's definitely the healing process was an onion layer for me. You peel back one and you think you've kind of got somewhere, you still got more questions and then as you learn more, you learn that you have more questions and then you finally get to that core of who you are and only then can you recognize what it, what crosses your path and like this doesn't align this isn't this isn't for me that doesn't feel good that doesn't feel supportive that doesn't feel healthy well let's take it back even a little bit further because i i remember having a conversation with you where you were talking about being in this unhealthy relationship and you actually said something to me that struck me and it it, it stuck with me because I think you said something, I think it was you, that said something to me like where you said, I did I was I, I didn't need that much love or something like that. I was like, I could just give all the love. I, I didn't need mm-hmm. that much for myself or something to that effect. I would I was okay with not having that much reciprocity or something to that effect. Can you can you refer, say what it was that you said because Absolutely. I think a lot of people who are in these relationships think that way. They do. I remember thinking that I could just give and give and give and give to the absolute upteenth degree of my capacity and that I wanted to love people into wholeness or love people into saving them and I would find these people that seemed to be hollowed out. And I actually read narcissism very differently than it actually is. I thought that it was something that was, you know, 
that could be, it just needed love. You know, everyone just needs love and that these personality disorders and things like that, I thought that it was just something that could be worked with and that you could prove to somebody your value, your worth, your consistency, your reliability, your value in the way that everything that they need from you is not, you're not recognizing it as this, this soul sucking vacuum. And you're just consistently, I can, I can do this. And it usually comes from some level of childhood trauma where you're cleaning up the mess of an alcoholic parent or a narcissistic, you know, situation in your own, in your household. And that's what you're imprinted with. And what we imprint with, we, we basically stunt our ability to love and be loved at that age, whatever age that is that that trauma occurred. And we operate in that modality, even in adulthood. And so when we're thinking we're a seven-year-old, you know, traumatized little girl that basically has learned from a very young age that we are responsible to take care of ourselves and that we can give love and everything, but we basically just need to make do with the scraps and the toy and, and the new sit and make home in the newspaper in the corner of our childhood rooms. And that we'll, we'll get the scraps of love when our parents stop focusing on themselves. We'll eventually get those leftovers. We'll get the, we'll get the second best of them. And so we take that same imprint of love because it's who, what we know love is. We go into adulthood and that is what we accept in our adult relationships. We think, I'll continue to give to you. I'll continue to give to you. I've learned my whole life how to accept minimal, minimal love. And I can volumize it myself by my own hallucination that I'm actually getting something that's sufficient. And I'll let you get along with giving this much while I give you the world endlessly until we reach this place of either utter exhaustion or worst, we kind of just start begin to accept this and we get lethargic and, and we just, we fall into depression and we become a shell of ourselves. And we've, we've sacrificed so much along the way. We don't even recognize ourselves when we looked in the mirror. And that was the, that was the last relationship I was in. I had gotten to a point where I was so down and out and I was, I was a shell of myself. I didn't even recognize myself. I was actually, I'm a happiness coach. That's what I am. That's what I do. I can see magic in anything. My ability to be this flighty, dancey little girl, that little girl was so buried and so hushed and quieted and given and spoon fed so many little leftovers that she basically was dying in the closet of some unacceptable part of me that I was not willing to be because she, she actually did need love. And she actually did know the truths of what was good and what was bad and, and, the magic of that life can actually present to you, but she had to go away in order for me to basically boiling frog syndrome myself into accepting this horrendous excuse for a relationship. And I ended up in that relationship so backward and turned inside out. I was suicidal. I was on a hotline Mm. begging for some resource to have a will to go on to the next day. I was so programmed, so abused, so far removed from who I actually am and so isolated from my own internal resource that I actually began to believe that life was not worth living. Mm. Uh so awful. But you know, that's what happens, right? You just become a shell of yourself. You, you know, they suck your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a every bit. Yeah. 
And and so how did it turn around for you? It was the pretty much the existential rock bottom that we get to where there is the pain leverage has reached as high as it can go. And you finally discover, you get to that core question of, I don't know what else to do. I have nothing left to give. I have nowhere else to turn. This is kind of the end of my rope. And when you get to the end of your rope, it's amazing how much more of a an intrinsic being we become. We become able to step forward into the possibility that it's no longer in, in my strength. I have no more capacity or capability of doing things. Our, our suffering almost as it goes up, we become a human being that really starts to, we have nothing else as far as to reach for these, these resources that we normally would. Our friends, our alcohol, our distractions, our going on to the next relationship, whatever we use to kind of put it in the way of the real revelation and the real healing and the real truth of the matter, we use that as avoiding. And when we finally get to that place where the suffering has reached a critical mass and none of these things are working anymore, we look, we reach in, we call out to the universe, we pray to God, we find a way to go, I can't anymore. And so whatever comes next, we kind of almost surrender. We're almost forced into a surrender. And I certainly was. It was more of a strong arm into, I've got nothing else. I've gone, I've cyclically gone through relationship after relationship. I have used everything under the sun to avoid what's going on with here. It was a lack of alignment and a denial of myself. And I didn't trust myself. I didn't respect myself. I didn't love myself. And it was finally time where I was so sick of using all other things. It was like, I I was ready. I was absolutely ready to just go. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it is. Give me the truth. And I'll be damned if that wasn't an absolute calling card for the avalanche of revelations that I went through soon after. Yeah, I think, you know, I I call it the whispers of your soul because I think your soul still knows it's buried under there, but your soul is still in there speaking to you and still knows. And the whole time, the whole time. And it it's it never goes away and starts whispering to you and says, hey, I'm still alive in here and it's time. That is, I could not agree more because that is when you finally get to the place where your distraction, the noise that you fill your life with, you kind of just realize this is just noise and I, I can't anymore the surrender, you almost break through to this place of quiet. And then you go, Oh my God, you were there the whole time. And you get, even if it's in a give up sense, you get to the edge of yourself. It's on that cliff edge that we just go, Oh, okay. I'm not on a flat plane here. There's something so much deeper and so much more ahead. And you're actually able to see it because you're not foggy eyed anymore. Yeah. And then and your soul starts getting louder and louder and it starts tapping you on the shoulder and says, uh-uh, this ain't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
And so then what happened? How did you turn it around? Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. The language we use about what happens to us is so important. We have the capability of prolonging our trauma simply by the language we use when we tell it. We can re-traumatize ourselves if simply by being good enough at retelling the story that we re-injure ourselves. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high-conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Take a listen to our archive you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. A person who has arrested development. And now we return to today's show. I really began to, because like you said, the soul started getting louder. I actually started to recognize that this knew the answers all along because I was the experience of leaning into it and it responding to me in a way that's like, Oh my gosh, that's actually better than I would have done. It doesn't require force. It's not requiring a bunch of manipulation. The life strategies that I had been using before had utterly failed me. And I was pretty resigned to that. I understood that the way that I've been doing things doesn't work by manic manifesting and and forcing and manipulating, conjoling and positioning different things Instead of just, and all, all the while, living in a way that does not align with me and to begin with. So this life I was fairly detached from when I finally got to that place. And I began to just go, okay, go within. What do, you, what do you need? What do I need to do next? And then doing it. And then watching it unfold with opportunities and that alignment, that synchronicity that you... I was waking up feeling unshakable. I was feeling like things could come my way and I would know that I would know that I would know how to deal with it in that capacity. Cause I'm now looking for an unquenchable source within me that could answer all things that knew that no matter what comes, I can figure it out. So I began to become obsessed with forging the woman I am instead of trying to forge the outer world to be more comfortable and to be more to be more what i thought i wanted i was working on doing construction on here in the inside of me instead of doing the work on the on the outside of me because i was creating what i was creating is just a bunch of uh, cushions and padding that meant that i never needed to go through discomfort i never needed to face myself i never needed to really deal with the wounds and the cores core traumas and the things that i was basically spending spent 20 years trying to just it's fine everything's fine i can i can handle i can survive this way and lo and behold i found out that next to nothing i was doing or living was me that's a very stark realization that you Mm -hmm. come to when you're in a nine, 10 year marriage, or, you know, you're in family dynamics that are, you know, lifelong when you're living in a house, that's, you know, this huge building and you have bills in the ways of life and you're, 
you've got commitments socially, you've got these every single friendship. I mean, I was looking at everything and going, I cannot see my, my true self in any of these areas. And so it kept, it kept going more, you know, this, my soul is speaking. Are you going to continue to listen to me? Despite the fact this means that you need to upend all of this. And some things took a little longer than others, but eventually I got to a place of realizing, okay, I can do this now. I, I can't deal with that now. That's too much. That's too weighty. That's going to require a lot of, a lot of weed sifting, but I can do these things and giving myself the grace to understand that this discomfort, this, this treading water game that I was doing and this existential juggling of what I can and cannot change and surrendering what I can't and, and moving through that cycle, it required me to change jobs. It required me to move out of my marriage and my home with him, despite him being a wonderful human being and his own core wounds and traumas causing hurt people, hurt people and changing all levels of comfort zone and what I was used. To. I sold everything. I got out of my comfort zone literally by leaving the country for a month and, you know, fast forward to a Christmas after it, I had none of the comforts on the outside and I'm sitting in my empty house, this empty small house. It's probably a fifth of the size of the house that I was married in eating Christmas dinner on a Home Depot box with a Christmas tree out of cut out of gift wrap paper taped to the wall because I didn't have the ability or time or resources to go do all of that with two days until Christmas. And I remember feeling like everything that I expected that moment to feel like was so disappointed. I expected to sit there in my new room with nothing, my new house with zero belongings and possessions of direction and feeling panicked. My security, the rug had been pulled out from under me. I should be panicked, worried, fearful, unbelievably lethargic and depressed that my life is over. And I was so excited for, for the first time since I was a little kid. I never had felt that excited. And that liberation, that moment, I realized that I had uncoupled from everything and finally found me. And in an empty house, when you find you, the house could be filled with anything or nothing. And you've got it. I've got everything I need because I, me, the true me is here. So tell us about your, um, you know, how, how does one start meditating or healing from PTSD? Tell us, you know, what, what are the first steps? The first steps are being ex exquisitely impeccable with your language when you ask your questions. Because a lot of the times the way we word a question disempowers us from the get-go because of all of the false pretenses and assumptions that we make within the question. And the language we use about what happens to us is so important. We have the capability of prolonging our trauma simply by the language we use when we tell it. We can re-traumatize ourselves if, if simply by being good enough at retelling the story that we re-injure ourselves. And the same can be true about the opposite. 
the definitions of our life, the way we can tell a story, I could have in that moment in that empty house, I could have absolutely said, this is the end. I can't believe I walked away from everything I knew. Even the, the, the way that I can say that, the language that I, I can't believe I destroyed, very powerful word, my entire life. Or, so that, that woman goes on a very different journey than the one I went on. That woman goes into despair. The woman who sits in that empty room and goes, I can't believe I was willing to walk away from everything to find me. That woman goes on an, an amazing journey. So in this moment, when you realize that you truly need to heal and that there has been trauma, be careful how you define the trauma because you can speak power into it or you can speak power into yourself. There's a very, very important choice to make there. So that's definitely the first step. The second step is to, we think we need to add we, we, need to, we need to gain more knowledge. We need to go out there and, okay, I need the 10 steps to do this. I need these books. I need these friendships. I need these workshops, these retreats. I need to do all of this stuff. We need to learn. No, quite literally, we need to unlearn. We need to find all of the things in our lives and measure it up against a sense of peace and knowing and gather the ability to measure up our own truth with everything that's going on around us. And if it does not measure up, the bravery is the third step. The bravery to go, that's a contrast. That's a misalignment. That's not me. And slowly but surely, we will find ourselves, we may lose a lot of people on the way. We may lose a lot of things. We may find ourselves losing various securities that we're used to, our norm, our, our comforts. Slowly but surely, we understand that those comforts were not comforts after all. They were avoidance tactics. They were distractions. They were trapping us. I thought so many of my securities were built around me to keep the dangerous world out or the, the, the gremlins of my inner knowing that was going to start putting mirrors in my face out there. What it's actually doing is it's trapping us in our crap. It's trapping us in our BS and our excuses and the stories that we've built around ourselves. So we have, we avoid the core thing that's speaking to us very little the whole time because it knows the truth and it knows that all this has got to go. Yeah. Okay. So give us some like concretes, like, you know, first thing, wake up tomorrow morning. What, what can they do? Wake up tomorrow morning and ask yourself what you need. What do I need today? Mm. And be willing and daring enough to wait for the answer. Mm. When the answer comes, listen to it. Mm. Don't tell yourself, uh, give me the next one. <laughs> give me the next one. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do that. Honesty with yourself. And then when you decide what you're going to do, do it. Because you telling yourself, I'm going to do this because I said I'm going to do it because I care for me. And then you follow through with it. Hmm. there's an inner child that has been core wounded. That's going to look up to you as a self parent and go, she did what she said she was going to do. Yeah. He did what he said he was going to do. So important. So important to follow through. Yeah. Yeah. And crucial. But then also when you fall off the wagon, give yourself the grace to go, okay, 
that wasn't, that wasn't it today. Yeah. Don't go. Okay. Well, that wasn't it. I've screwed up. Exactly. A A lot of people fall off. Yeah. I mean, even if it's, I'm going to, you know, walk 10 steps today, (laughs) you know, choose a baby step. Exactly. Because if you get to the 10 steps and then you decide to take 11, 12, 13, a hundred, great, good on you. But you promised yourself the 10. And because you fulfilled the 10 and promised yourself the 10, you have a self-trust now. You have rapport with yourself. You're not full of crap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard somebody say, you know, like, um, instead of saying, I'm going to go to the gym today, have your first step be, I'm going to pack my gym bag. <laughs> you know, like if you just do that today, you yeah. know, like that, that's your first step. You know, I'm going to better put, to, I'm going to put the gym bag next to the door. That's your yes. second step. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> You're better off promising yourself that you will at least do the 10 steps, at least do the five steps. If you promise yourself five steps, no matter how, tiny or how much you're judging that that's, that doesn't mean anything. You promise and deliver on those five steps. That is so much more important than promising yourself nothing and and, and fulfilling nothing or promising yourself 10 and not fulfilling that because you take 1% difference each day. Those, those five steps, those 10 steps, whatever you, you catalyze that and you exponentially watch that grow into 365 days of that 365 days of 1%, you take a plane that's going to Miami and you adjust their trajectory by 1%, you're getting into a, you're going to an entirely different city. And it's the same way with us. We just talk ourselves out of, it's not enough. It's not going to create change. You don't create change by summiting the mountain in the first day. Everyone climbs the mountain the same way. It's one step at a time. You can't get to it any other way. Yeah. So what do you wish you knew now that, uh, what do you wish you knew five years ago that, you know, now? Oh God, I am, I am capable no matter what comes my way. I am, I can trust in me and I am capable. That's Mm -hmm. what I wish I would have known. This, this journey would have been so much shorter and so much less painful had I known that I hold everything that I have ever needed. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the one thing I, I love to tell people that whole Winnie the Pooh quote, you know, people that are in these relationships with narcissists, you know, you're, you're, you're stronger than you think. You're smarter than you know. You're stronger than you think. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. so beautiful. So what's the one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's trying to negotiate their best lives right now? Dare to bring your authentic self to that negotiation table. Mm. For sure. Love it. So where can people learn more about you? Um, my website and Instagram are pretty much where I focus my my time and attention most. So I'm not spread out and being effective nowhere. <laughs> so I'd rather go deep than wide. 
uh, I am at carapayton.com and there's infinite free resources. So many things people can jump on and do right now, whether they want full fledged coaching, they know they're ready or something that's just small and bite-sized pieces, free meditations and, and courses and things that they can just, they can chew on to get their journey started. And then Kara Payton on Instagram, it's got an underscore at the end because the original was already taken, but uh, that's me as well. They can interact on a more casual basis there. Yes. And it's Kara with a K and Peyton yes. with an A. So yes, K-A-R-A uh, and then P-A-Y-T-O-N. So everybody go check her out, follow her, watch her stuff. She's amazing. She's incredible. As you could hear, love you. You're amazing. So thank you so much for being with me today. And I think that you are really super special. So thank you. Thank you so much. I could not say even more for this, for, for you as well. It, it's, it's, you were, you were definitely on my path way back when. So it's, it's just full circle moment to be here today. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. 